If you're online today, this is for you. Uh, go, go to the other one. We're going to get to the series title, the one that says no offense, uh, uh, right above that. We're gonna, this is the title that we're going to be talking about. Everybody say no offense. no offense. What does that say? How to recognize and what? How to recognize and remove offense from your life. We're going to be talking about in this series how to set the body of Christ free from unresolved anger and resentment and things that are holding them in bondage. Because the Bible says that those who the Son set free are free in Indeed, I've declared to you that God has opened the doors for many of us, and he has opened the door. Brother Denny, I know you're from the South. I'm from the South. Do you not know that if you have a cow and you keep him bound long enough, you can open up the gate and he won't walk outside? <laughs> he'll look right at an open gate and he'll stand right there. Why? Because he's been so bound so long, he doesn't realize that he's free. And many of us in the body of Christ have walked along in being bound so long, we don't realize Christ freed you when you got saved and you've been bound for 30 years. <laughs> and it's time for us to recognize those things and to remove those things that have us bound. And one of the things that has us bound is the spirit of offense. Everybody say offense. God wants us to be free from the spirit of offense. He wants us to be free from those things that are binding us up. What is the word offense in the Bible? The Bible has a particular word in the Greek from offense. Uh, Pull up that word that says scandalon. I want you to see that because we need to know what offense is. In the Greek, it comes from a word called scandalon. Everybody say scandalon. That is where we get our word scandal. Everybody knows what scandal is if you've been watching TV. That's where we get that word from. And, and I want you to look at the, the definitions. We'll send them out to you later. But I want you to pay close attention to the one at the bottom. Any person or thing by which one is entrapped, drawn into error or sin. The Bible uses that word and it translates as offense all throughout the Bible over 15 times. But the reason it uses the word scandalon, I don't know if you've ever seen a trap or had a mouse trap in your house. But scandalon is a seat. It's an actual thing. It's the seat of a trap. When you set a mouse trap, you take the trap and you pull back something. And when you pull it back, you set it and there's an arm on that trap that holds onto a little seat. And on that seat, you sit some peanut butter. Rats don't really like cheese. Peanut butter works better. And you put the peanut butter on top of there. And, and that little spot where you're holding that trap, waiting for something to get in stare, is called the scandalon. That's where they get that word from, because it means to jump up. It means to grab hold of that offense is a trap. <laughs> I come to tell you that many of us are not free because we have been offended. Somebody said, Pastor, I haven't been offended. I want you to pull up this. Offense is something that bothers all of us. It's something that all of us have had to deal with. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 31 through 32 says this. It says, let all bitterness and all wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away with you with all malice and be kind to one another and tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even even as God forgave you, is there somebody in your life that you've yet to forgive? <laughs> because I've come to tell you that forgiveness is really for you. While you're walking around mad at them, they're not bothered at all. It's your blood pressure that's going 
through the roof. It's you having to pay for anxiety medication. It's you having to stay up at night and not getting good sleep. It's you dealing with insomnia. While you are hating them, they are counting sheep. And God wants you to be able to forgive because forgiveness is a blessing so that you can release those things that are holding you back because unforgiveness and walking in offense is a prison. Walking in a fence is a prison, but the problem is that most of us do not know that we are walking in a prison. First Corinthians, Ephesians chapter 1, verses 17 through 19 says this, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that you may know what is the hope of his calling, what are the riches of his glory, of his inheritance in the saints, and what is the exceeding great power, greatness of his power towards us who believe according to the working of his mighty power. And well, Pastor, you didn't start how you normally start. That's good. You need to expect different. <laughs> if you're going to have different, you need to expect different. Now, I want you to pull up the title of that sermon. What is the title of today's sermon inside of our No Offense series? Uh, what, what is it called? They worked hard to build it back there. Everybody say it together. Eyes wide shut. Let's say that again. <laughs> Eyes wide shut. One more time. <laughs> Eyes wide shut. Do you know it's possible to have 20-20 vision and still be blind? It's possible to have eagle-eye vision and have blindness to certain things. We walk around and feel like we're over something. Pastor, I'm, I'm holy and I'm not walking in the fence. I'm not bothered by anything that anybody is doing. Nobody bothers me. I got over that 20 years ago. Well, I challenge you to go to their hometown where you left them 20 years ago and start walking around the Walmart because they're going to show up. Everybody goes to Walmart eventually in the hometown. And when they show up, watch what happens to your demeanor. When somebody brings up their name, it bothers you. Everybody thinking of somebody like that right now that's done something to you and they never said they were sorry. (laughs) And it makes you upset. And every time you think about it, you get upset. You know what that means? That you are in scandalon. You are in offense. You are in a trap. That is a trap that the enemy has set for us, that we can be in offense. And here's the thing. I want them to pull up that first power principle (coughs) up on the screen because this is something that we really need to know. Let's read that together. What does it say? When you're a hammer, everything is a nail. And when you are walking in a fence, everything is a problem. When you're a hammer, everything's a nail. That's an old idiom that says that when you only know how to do one thing one way, the only, what you know how to do becomes the solution to everything, whether it is or not. Caleb, can you hit that clock for me back there? Why? Because that's the solution to all the problems, that when you're a hammer, everything is a nail. How do you fix that? I'm going to beat it with a hammer. How are you going to fix this? Beat it with a hammer. Back in the South, the butter knife was what we used. The butter knife was the hammer. It was the screwdriver. It was the shiv. It was everything everything that you needed to have, that everything was that solution. And don't you know that when you're walking in a fence, everything is a problem. <laughs> Those of you who are married know that, that when you're offended with your spouse, everything, you, everything they do works on your everlasting nerves. 
They used to dribble when y'all dated, and it, it looked, it was cute to you. And now every time they chew, can you close your mouth? You're getting on my nerves. <laughs> it used to be funny when they, they couldn't get stuff right, They're just smacking it. And, and when, they, when you first started and you were newlyweds and they get a little... While they were sleeping, you, you thought that was cute. And you would watch them, and now you say, it sounds like a Mack truck is coming through here. <laughs> Why? Because you've gotten offended over the years, and you've lost tolerance for certain things. And the things that used to be cute, when you offended, everything is a what? Problem. That's why some people can do stuff, and you have mercy for them, and your spouse or your friend will do the same thing, and you have none. Because of offense. And you're trapped and you're not free. And your marriage and your relationships won't heal because you are walking in offense. It's impossible never to be offended. As a matter of fact, pull up Luke chapter 17, verse 1 through 4. We're going to read that together. I want you to see this. And these are the words of Jesus. What does it say? Then he said to his disciples, it is impossible that no offenses should come, but woe to him through whom they do come. Jesus is telling us something. Hallelujah. We can read the rest. It says, what? It would be better for him if a millstone were hung around his neck and he were thrown into the sea than that he should offend one of these little ones. Take heed to yourselves. If your brother sins against you, rebuke him. And if he repents, forgive him. And if he sins against you seven times in a day and seven times in a day returns to you saying, I repent, you shall forgive him. If you have problems with those words, if it makes you feel uncomfortable, you caught in a trap. You have somebody and you say, I'm just sick of them. They got on my last. Oh, you have some of those people too, huh? <laughs> and that you lost patience for them. That when you walk in offense and you don't release that offense, it becomes a trap to you. And when you are offended with people, you build up walls. And the problem, boundaries are not bad. But here's the thing. People who are offended don't build proper boundaries. Because when you build a proper boundary, somewhere around the boundary line, there is a gate or a door so healthy things can flow in and out. But what we do when we're offended is most time we build up walls so nobody can get in. I can't I can't believe what you did to me. I'm putting up this boundary and I'm never forgiving you again. I'm going to say I forgive you because I have to uh, have to and I'm hoping I fool God and I get into heaven uh, 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 but I haven't really forgiven you but I got to say it because that's self-righteous for me to say that I need to feel like I've forgiven you and you built up this wall. That doesn't mean everybody deserves every access to you but here's the problem. When you walk in a fence and you build a wall all around yourself they can't get in but you can't get oh Jesus. <laughs> bitter all the time short and snappy all the time everything works your nerves people walking around you on eggshells because they don't want to set you off why because you caught in a trap you're caught in a fence, and God wants you to be free. Have you ever thought of that you were over something till you saw that person? I'll be transparent. There was somebody a long time ago, probably 20 years ago now, goodness, I'm getting older, that, that, that did something to me when I was at a ministry. 
and they lied on me. And now I know they lied on me because the pastor and his wife came and told me what they said. And they said, we know it's a lie. <laughs> but at the same time, this is what they said. The person didn't like me. It doesn't matter what you do. There's always going to be somebody that doesn't like you. And the Lord, we were in the middle of a service, kind of like we were then. And I was on the keyboard and we were worshiping. And the Lord said, do you love me? I said, yes, Lord, I love you. He said, do you want to be free? I said, I am free. He said, do you want to be free? He, I said, fine, Lord. He said, turn around and hug him. And I did this. And as I looked on the wall, there he was sitting on that wall. And I said, Lord, I won't be free today. <laughs> but when I said what I said, it struck me in my heart that I realized I had convinced myself that I had forgiven him. I was being self-righteous because I know the Bible said that you need to forgive. And you say, oh, I forgave that. I let that go because if you don't forgive your brothers, your father can't forgive you. I'm above that. I haven't really de dealt with that. Walking around with eyes wide shut. Thinking you free, but you still bound. Thinking you forgave them, but every time it comes up, you get angry. Thinking you released it, but you're really trapped. And the one thing I want you to know is that this is our first point for the day. Everybody say, unresolved offenses, unresolved offenses. cause bitterness. Irreconcilable differences is not really what divorce happens. What it is is that you quit honoring your spouse and they quit honoring you and y'all kept playing this little pity pack game. You kill my dog, I kill your cat. Even when I do something nice for you, I do it in a way so you know I'm really not wanting to do it. I'm just doing it because God told me to do it. I fix your food, but I throw it on the counter. I fixed something for you, but I, I complained about the fact that I had to fix it. I, I got a little chip on my shoulder. Anybody ever been like that? <laughs> Walking around. Hmm. You walked by each other in the bathroom, and you. <laughs> I don't want to touch you. <laughs> you lay down in the bed together, and, and, and they foot touch yours, and you. <laughs> Anybody ever been like that? Walking around in a fence, thinking you're free and you're really caught in a trap. Thinking that you are over what they said about you on Facebook. But every time somebody talks about them, everybody that says something good about them, you get upset. That's how you know you're walking in a fence. When somebody says something good about somebody who's done you wrong, and it just burns you up. Or something good happens to somebody who's done you wrong, and you can't take it. You said you were free, but they got a new house and a new car, and you just as mad as you can be. How dare, after what he did, how dare God bless him? After what he did to me, how dare God favor him? How dare God do this? Or how dare God do that? See, that's what offense does. Offense is rooted in pride that we think we are more than we really are and that we deserve more than we really deserve. But who are we to judge God's people? We are his people, all of us in the sheep of his pastor that love God. And many times we get in a prideful position and we get upset with people and we don't want any mercy shown to them. It happens in politics. There are people in here right now that can't say a good word about a Democrat. 
or can't say a good word about a Republican. You walking around in a fence. You caught in a political scandal line. Us against them. Who is them? Swearing that you love God, but you really are bound in chains. And God doesn't want you to walk around in that offense because he loves you and he wants you to be free. Pull up Hebrews chapter 12, verse 14 through 15. What does it say? Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord looking carefully and lest anyone fall short of the grace of God lest any root of bitterness springing up cause trouble, and by this many become defiled. See, when you're bitter, it doesn't just affect you. It affects everybody around you. Some people love rosemary. I hate rosemary. You can cook the most delicious meal that you could ever eat and drop rosemary in it, and I can't eat it because rosemary is offensive to me. It's offensive to my palate, and therefore something can be completely fine, fine, but just because of one element, I throw the whole thing out because it's offensive to me. How many people aren't going to certain churches because certain people are there? Woo, Jesus. <laughs> Nothing wrong with the church, but it's some of the people you don't. They did something to me, and they never said they were sorry. And here's the truth of it. Most times they haven't done it to you. They've done it to somebody else that you know, and you are offended because they were offended, and it doesn't have anything in the world to do with you. If you can't say amen, mad at somebody because of what somebody else said. Mad at somebody because you heard their side of the story, but you never bothered to go get the other side because you didn't want to get the other side because then you wouldn't be justified in trying to be bitter and trying to be offended. Mm. Pull up that next power principle. I want you to see something there. I'm just going to flow with the spirit today. Is this helping anybody? Yeah. <laughs> Everybody repeat after me. When I deny... I delay. I delay. <laughs> what does this say? <laughs> Unwillingness to acknowledge and deal with offense will leave me stuck in that moment. Some people are 75, but they're really five because somebody did something to you and you couldn't forgive them. And every time somebody does something to you that reminds them of that person, you attack them trying to attack the person. Some marriages and relationships aren't healthy. Why? Because you are fighting the person who did you wrong and the person you with did nothing to you, but you're still stuck in that moment and you can't move forward. You had church hurt from the past, so every church person you see in every church on the corner is exactly like the one that hurt you. 
That's all you can see. You're stuck in a prison and you can't enjoy a worship experience because you're comparing everybody and everything to what happened to you a long time ago. And when I get stuck in that moment, it says what? I delay my own healing. Say it with me. I delay my own healing and progress by denying my offense. When I do not deal with it, I delay my growth. When I pretend like I'm holier than thou and I'm above being offended. Oh, thank you, Holy Ghost. This is why you did this, because the holiday season is coming up. <laughs> Some of you don't want to go over your family's houses. Why? Because of that one cousin or that one aunt. And as soon as she say something to me, I'm going to cuss her out. <laughs> as soon as they say this, they believe this or they like this person or that, and I can't be around them. You're walking in offense, and you can't be free. And you caught in a trap. When I deny, say that with me. When I deny, I delay. delay. This is important for Christian people because Christian people walk around with eyes wide shut because we know the letter, but we don't know the spirit. We know what it says, but we don't know how to walk in it. We know how to talk forgiveness, but we don't know how to walk forgiveness. Because walking forgiveness is too uncomfortable because when you walk for forgiveness, it says, pray for them who do bad things to you. Love your enemies. You know what? I don't know if I'm giving away some of the thunder of the the sermon series or not, but I'm going to go ahead and give you a remedy. If you want to be free from offense, start praying for the person that offended you and pray for their good. I was in a place and space where everybody was trying to get at me. Not everybody, but certain people were trying to get at me, and they were trying to destroy me. They were, they were doing everything they could to jug a knife in me and make sure that I wouldn't rise again from, from whatever part of life. And guess what? The Lord had me to start praying for them, and I didn't want to pray for them. And when I closed my eyes to pray for them, can I be real with you? <laughs> I saw, I envisioned somebody running them over with a car. That's what I envisioned. How dare he think that? Because you think stuff like that, too. And that's why your eyes are wide shut, because you're too religious to be real. And God can't heal you because you won't tell the truth. You've gotten so used to lying to church folk that you become comfortable lying to yourself. And when I got up off my knees and I said, Lord, if that's your will, let it be done. That wasn't the Lord. <laughs> that was my hurt and my anger. And my vengeance, and had I responded like they wanted me to respond, that would have been the end of me. But what I did, I would get up to I cried, and I would get up on my knees, and I kept praying for people, and I started praying for those people, and I would pray for their good, even when I didn't mean it. And I continued to do it until I said, Lord, make my heart sincere that I can truly love my enemies and I can wish for the well of those people. And as I begin to do it more and more, I realized something. I didn't realize how bound I was and that forgiveness is really freedom. And God was opening my eye to set me free. God wants to set you free today. 
from the bondage and the trap of offense. Offense is a trap that the enemy uses. He uses it because once you get in it, you don't realize that you're in it. I was watching a, 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 a video the other day. People down south, we have what you call wild hogs. We have wild hogs, hogs that get out in the wild and, and they run and they're boars and they will hurt you, they will kill you and they're overpopulated. So what they've done is I watched some farmers get together to protect their crops and they put up a net and it let the hogs in. Hogs are powerful. A hog will kill a human being, but it let them in to get the food. But when they got the food and turned around and tried to get out, <laughs> no matter how hard they pushed, they were sitting ducks for the farmers to. <laughs> I know it feels good to hate them. I know it feels good to say they should feel bad for what they did to me. But if you walk in that trap, Pity loves. Pity is a wonderful fruit. Pity feels good. That's why people go to pity parties. But if you walk in that trap, you may never get out. Because the enemy, he seeks to destroy. He seeks to get you into a position where you are no longer viable. He gets to, he doesn't mind you coming to church as long as you can't help anybody else because you're just as bound as they are. Say so no mind you coming to church. He actually prefers it. Because when you're bound, he knows he has you and there's no hope of you getting free because you already think you're free. The most dangerous thing that you can have is a person who is bound but thinks they're free because they will never try to get free. That's why we need to say this. Somebody shout, Lord, open my eye. Lord, open my eye. Am I walking in offense? Is there somebody that's hurt me and I have not forgiven? Because if you don't, offense is often destructive. Pull up Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. We're going to walk through there for a second. Genesis chapter 4, verses 5 through 7. What does it say? It says this, read it with me. But he did not respect Cain, he being God, and his offering. And Cain was very angry, and his countenance fell. Stop right there. He upset. <laughs> he, he, he's throwing himself a pity for a party. He has become dejected. He became depressed, and he started to play the victim. See, when you get offended, everybody else is the problem, and you the victim. If I just told you what they did to me, you see them like I see them. But they didn't do that to me. Why would you want me to see them like you see them? Why would you want me to be upset, angry, and bitter like you? Because misery loves. I see you hug them. And I say, see, you right there with them. And you my enemy. And the enemy of my enemy is my friend. I need to go find somebody that don't like you. People do that, don't we? If you live long enough, you've seen things like that in the church. People leave the church angry and leave the church angry. And now because you wouldn't turn on somebody, they refuse to speak to you. Because they're walking in an offense. And they're walking in a trap. 
and they don't realize that Satan is using them. And God gave Cain an opportunity. What does it say, verse 6? It says what? So the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? And why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, will you not be accepted? And if you do not do well, sin lies at the door, and its desire is for you, but you must rule over it. In other words, stop playing the victim. You have a part to play in this. You did not get rejected because of your brother. You honestly are mad at me because I wouldn't take your half-hearted sacrifice. Now it's everybody else's problem, but but your we can we could get mad at Cain, but I'm a metal little get a little bit this morning. Y'all mind if I metal? Have you ever been offended when something, someone, some position, or some praise? I'm gonna say that again. Have you ever been offended when something, someone, some position, or some praise was awarded to somebody other than you? And pride blinded you to impossibilities of improvement that you were upset rather than fix you. You blame something or someone else. Oh, I'm going to meddle. I'm coming down your road today. Let, let's do that. You left a good job in anger because you didn't get the promotion you wanted rather than getting, getting better at what you did and becoming more marketable. You didn't get better. You became bitter. It's not your fault because you show up late. It's not your fault because you could have did a little bit more, but they're a brown noser. That's why they got promoted. Instead, of, I could have done some of the same things that they did. Anybody ever been guilty of these types of things? You left a salvageable marriage because you would not swallow your some people have lost opportunities because they could not take constructive criticism. I've come to tell you that even your enemies can be right sometimes. They may have wrong motives. They may seek to be mean to you. They may say what they say out of spite, but just because it's out of spite doesn't mean it's not true. Stop being bitter about everything somebody says to you. Grow up. Take it. Use it to make yourself a better person. Stop sitting in a fence because somebody said you childish. Grow up. <laughs> Why did they say I'm childish? We have to be honest with ourselves. Is this helping anybody today? <laughs> the Bible says his countenance fell, and God said, why are you dejected? He knew why he was dejected. And he gave him the answer. He said, if you did well, would I not bless you too? What God is saying is you've gotten offended, and when you get offended, you get destroyed. Because now it's everybody else's problem but yours. So did he take a healthy solution? No. Rather than go back and get a better sacrifice and try to do what God wanted to be pleased, he did what every red-blooded human did. He blamed somebody else and killed them. Today we do it with tweets and with reposts, and we kill people's character instead of getting our, ourselves. We get mad at rich people because they're rich instead of working on ourselves to make, build our own wealth. It's their fault that we don't have nothing. Anybody ever been guilty of stuff like that? It's who's in office. That's why I can't get ahead. No, you can't get ahead because you're playing a victim. And I could have swore that the word of God said, if Christ be for us, who can be against us? So there could be feast in your house and famine in the other one. So if you're in a recession, don't blame the government. God taught you how to be a steward. If you manage your money, you would have saved some. 
that's nobody's fault but who Jesus don't get quiet on me don't get quiet on me come on with me come on with me come on with me but unacknowledged offense is what destructive last thing for today I want you to know this that you can be free we got, a, we got a whole sermon series coming up, so I'm not going to try to preach it all today. But as we walk through these next few weeks, I want you to remember that freedom can be had. If you look at what he said to Cain, he was giving Cain an opportunity to be free. He did not kick out Cain for being upset. He did not kick out Cain for being offensive, offended. He kicked out Cain because he did not listen, and he did what his offense told him to do rather than what God told him to do. Some of us can't be get ahead because you know God has told you to go back and make amends with that person, but you won't speak to him. You know their number, but you won't call them. <coughs> you know they're not coming to you, so you use that as an excuse not to go to them. But the Bible says that if your brother has something against you, it didn't say that your brother comes. It said leave your gift there, even if you were the one in the right. Leave your gift at the altar, stop worshiping, and get up and go make it right. It's up to us to make it right. So what? They didn't raise you how you thought you needed to be raised. They did the best they could. They made mistakes. Forgive your parents for what they did to you. Stop using it as a crutch and an excuse not to excel in life. Stop using it as a victim. You are not a victim. You are a victor in Christ Jesus. And either your problems are going to be God or God is going to be God. You cannot have both. You cannot both be a son of the most high God and a slave at the same time. Unless you're a slave to Christ. Both things cannot coexist. And then when people come near us, we always put people around us to tell us what we want to hear. Oh, it's going to be all right, baby. Everybody loves mama. Sometimes you need daddy. You know why? Because you come and you scrape your knee and mama says, it's going to be all right, baby. And you love that. And you hug them and you, oh, that feels so good for somebody to feel sorry for me. They know what I'm going through. They know my pain. And, and we do that even as adults. I can't stand this person. We stay on the phone for hours talking about why we can't stand this person. And they'll, you sure are right. That's why, and that's a shame what they did to you. But sometimes you need daddy in your life to say, get up and quit crying. Dust yourself off. That ain't going to help you none. What's done is done. Get up and move on. But we hang up on those friends, don't we, Brother Ernie? When we say, I can't believe what they did to me. Well, you say, but do you forget what you did to them? Maybe they uh, have a right to be a little angry. Maybe they overreacted in their response. But could you own some ownership of it? Everybody say ownership. We don't like that in today's culture because everything is everybody else's. But if you're going to ever grow, you got to stop making everything everybody else's fault and own it for yourself. At some point in time, you're going to have to stop blaming everybody else because you're going to run out of people to blame. And you're going to have to say that the problem, you're going to be just like Jonah. They threw everything they could off the ship to get saved. They did everything they could to keep the ship off afloat. And finally, Jonah said, it's not the stuff. It's me. I'm the problem. Is there any Jonas in the building that said, I'm not going to throw somebody else out of another relationship? I've been married six times. I'm not going to get married seven. I'm going to make this marriage work. Why? Because it's not the person. I'm the problem. 
I got anger issues. I got unforgiveness issues. And it makes me treat people bad. And I, and I, don't, I don't get it right. And I don't do what God is tugging in my heart. This is the last job I'm hopping. It ain't management. It ain't that they just want to get all they want out of me for nothing. It's just I've got an attitude problem. And can't nobody tell me nothing. And every time a boss tells me something, I don't like authority. And I get up and I hop from job to job. And I, and I keep the same old story just because they don't like me. How many people do that? You, you know people like that, don't you? Every three, three days, they got a different job. Why? They don't like me over there. They just have to get me. They don't care about you. You just won't grow up. I know this is helping because you're quiet. But you can be free. Amen. This is what I want for you today. Everybody go to Genesis 15, 50, verse 50, 19 through 21. I'm going to read it and we're going to be done for the day. And it says what? <coughs> Joseph said to them, do not be afraid, for am I in the place of God? But as for you, you meant evil against me. But God meant it for good in order to bring it about as it is this day <coughs> to save many people alive. Now, therefore, do not be afraid. I will provide for you and your little ones. And he comforted them and spoke to them kindly. Who is he talking to? For those of you who missed the Genesis session, he's talking to brothers who threw him down a well. They didn't lower him in it. They threw him down a deep well where he could have either A, drowned or broken his neck on the way down. He's talking to brothers that threw him down the well so they could find the best way to kill him. And when they decided it might be too bad to kill him, they did the next best thing and they, they started a human trafficking business and they sold him into slavery. Took his most prized possession that his father gave him to let him know, Joseph, you're special and I love you. That thing that he had from his father, his most precious memory, ripped it from his back. <coughs> Put animal's blood on it and went back and told his father, he's dead. Because of that, Joseph ended up in the house of a man that served the president of that, that country, the, who was named Pharaoh. His name was Potiphar. He was a government official. And when Joseph went to do well, because his heart was pure, God blessed him. But Potiphar had a wife that looked like a model, and everybody loved Potiphar's wife. The problem was Potiphar's wife liked Joseph, too. And Joseph was a young, red-blooded boy. And you know what young, red-blooded boys are like. And he knew that when she propositioned him, if he stayed, he was going to do something wrong. And he didn't trust her nor himself. So he got up and ran. And he ran so fast that as she grabbed him, it tore off his cloak and because he was trying to do the right thing and he wouldn't give her what she wanted for doing the right thing she took his cloak and took it to her husband and said he tried to rape me and he got caught up in a me too moment and got thrown in prison for doing the right thing 
And while he was in prison, God blessed him. And he was so good in the prison that even at the bottom of the prison, God blessed him. And he ended up running the prison. He was that good. And he saw two officials come in. And God was still working in his life in prison. He was a prophetic jailbird. God was giving him the ability to interpret dreams and visions. And here he is with his proverbial jumpsuit on and his, his inmate number. But he's at the top of the inmates. He's a trustee now. And when he sees somebody who has favor with the king, he gives them a word to let them know they're going to be okay. And they say, when you get out, I'm going to come. When I get out, I'm going to come back and get him. And guess what they did? They forgot him and left him in prison. Appeal denied. No stay from the governor. But God raised him up because he wouldn't be bitter. And here's the thing. He was so into forgiveness that when he got a son and he named him, he called his name. And the name meant the Lord has caused me to forget my suffering. What does that mean? That I have forgiven but I still have to work through some things. And when he saw his brothers, he began to be, do what anybody else would do. He wasn't right off nice to him. He threw one of them in jail. Yeah, I mean, he, come on now. He, I, I would give him that one. I would at least give him that one after all that he's done to them. And he tests them. Why is he doing all this? To see if they really change. See, you can forgive somebody and not walk in offense, but you still have to test them to see if you're going to restore the same relationship. You can have relationship without having the same relationship. I can love you over there. I don't have to love you right here in my personal space. I can love you and treat you right. But his heart was free. And now they're upset. Why? Because all the time they did this to him, he has been secretly feeding them. Does that sound familiar? Love them that do good, bad to you. If your neighbor takes your coat, whoo. Maybe Jesus, when he was given, maybe when Jesus was looking, he was looking down back through the annals of time because he was, is, and is to come. And he was looking at the story of Joseph as he looked out on them and said, if they take your coat, they took Joseph's coat, give them your cloak too. If he slaps you on one cheek, turn the other. And here's the time that Joseph has all the power in his hand to destroy him. And when he finally reveals to his brothers who he is, they quake with fear because they know what's a coming. I said it that way on purpose. That's what a country person would say. Not what's coming, what's a coming. They know what's a coming. When something, what's a coming, that's going to be something bad that's coming down the road. They know what's a coming, brother. They, and they know it. And, and here's the thing. David, he looks at them and he breaks down in tears. He has the ability, the means, and the motive to pay them back. But if he paid them back, it would only prove that he was still caught in a trap. Because I submit to you, although he was in the pit, he was in the palace, he was in the prison, in all three places, Joseph was still free. How do I know that? His response. Because he doesn't play the victim. Notice that. Think about that the next time you play the victim. <coughs> he's talking to his brother, saying, please don't kill us. And the question he asked after all they did to him is astounding to me. Instead of saying, yeah, you ought to be scared. I'm going to do something to you. He says, am I in the place of God? See, we got a lot of thieves in, in the building and online and other places. You know why? 
Because God said vengeance is mine, and we steal it all the time. We take it for ourselves. Well, Pastor, I ain't trying to shoot nobody. But when you and your spouse got into it, you could have been quiet, and you had to have the last They said something nasty to you, so you have to say something nasty back. You wanted vengeance. You stealing something that don't belong to you. They did this to me, Pastor. I'm going to get them back. But he says, am I in the place of God? He said, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good. What he was literally saying is I'm free now. You tried everything you could. To keep me bound. But I'm free. Not because I have money. Not because I have authority. Not because I have power. I'm free because my heart was free. I wasn't just free when I was in second command to Pharaoh. I was free in the pit. I was free in the palace. I was free in the prison. Somebody in this sanctuary needs to be free today. And if that's you or you're online, this altar is for you today. It's for everybody, whatever you need. But if you know, and don't worry about how people looking, because some people just not honest. Don't worry about what other people doing. They'll pretend that they don't have nothing wrong with us. We all have something wrong with us. But if you really want to be free today, this altar is for you. Mason, you thought you were showing up just because you wanted to show up. This is for you today. Come to this altar. He's not the only one. I've been praying all week about which one I will go. They're not the only ones that need to be free. Give God a hand clap of praise for their freedom. God wants you to be free. And if you don't see it, I pray that he helps you to see it. Not everybody.